Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have Maria Emmerich. Maria is a nutritionist who specializes in the ketogenic diet and exercise physiology. She is an international best-selling author of several keto books. She has a keen interest in brain neurotransmitters and how to help depression and anxiety. Maria, thank you so much for coming on for an episode for today. Oh, thanks, Gary. I'm very honored to be here. Yeah. Um, so we had a bit of struggle earlier this week to get it on because of my internet connection. And I just want to show any YouTube video uh, watches what I had to do, which was jazz hands. So <laughs> if any of you run a podcast, you'll just learn you have to do jazz hands. <laughs> okay, that's my bad. Well, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, thank you for coming on. So um, the reason I want you to come on too is because you're going to be my first guest um, talking for the 2019 series of the podcast. And I thought that's a fantastic time when people are, are starting maybe a new way of eating in January, especially a low-carb or ketogenic way after having a carb binge over Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, my first question for you then is, for someone who's looking to adopt a more low-carb or ketogenic way after the carb binge of Christmas and putting on all that weight, uh, you talk about a keto cleanse. Um, is that the way that they should begin? You know, I, I believe so. And it sounds painful, but it's really not. Um, I guess I call it the ketogenic cleanse because I think there's a lot of bad information out there that you need to eat 70% fat, you need to do these bulletproof coffees, you need to do a shot of MCT oil if you didn't hit your percentage of fat for the day. And if you aim for percentages, you will fail. I'm just throwing that out there. I get so many people saying I tried the keto diet and I gained a bunch of weight. I don't like it. It's like, well, you know, I used to be the only crazy lady out there. And that was kind of a blessing and a curse. At the same time, I was seen as very extreme, but yet, um, there wasn't all this bad keto information out there. Um, like drinking liquid calories and things like that. Um, so the cleanse is just it's focused on real food, you get to chew your calories. But I do like people to understand how to basically heal their mitochondria from the inside out. And that has more than just food to deal with. Um, we're bombarded with chemicals that we're putting on our skin. Um, it gets into cold therapy. Um, it touches on all of these other parts that nobody really thinks about. We're so concerned about what we put inside our mouths. Um, but I do want people to be aware of the whole picture. And it goes deeper than just what we eat that helps heal the whole mitochondria picture. Yeah, so that's nice. So you, you do get down to the mitochondrial level. And I've had a couple of guests on before talk about how to optimize your mitochondria. And yeah, that's your energy cell for life. It is. That's where we oxidize fat. That's where you know our energy comes from. Um, and people are like, oh man, biology, I don't want to go there. But once you really dive into it, it's super interesting. And you can kind of be like this you know, mitochondria hacker. And that's what, you know, your podcast is all about. Yeah. So what someone who's coming to this, I'm thinking of two different types of people. You're going to have potentially low carb ketogenic people who kind of went off the rails a little bit in Christmas and need to just jump back on. 
And then there's people who have never eaten that way and they're probably coming from a standard standard American diet and they're looking to adopt this practice. Yeah. Is it the same entrance for both of them, you know, to start over again in January? You know, I, I believe so. I believe that just rip the Band-Aid off and do it. Um, some people are more like tiptoe their way in, but why not have success right away? And that's how I am with everything I do. Like, let's just do it and do it right. Um so, and you get to eat really good food. So it sounds difficult, but it's really not. You just have to change your mindset. And for me, I mean, I came from, you know, an overweight childhood where I ate a lot of junk. And for me, not having it in the house is like step number one. Nobody needs it. Not your children. My kids are eight, and nine. They don't know. Like we drove by a McDonald's and my son's like, Emma's for Micah. And I was like, you have no idea how much I love you right now because they just don't know what that is. And that's my idea is like society, like you are killing us. Like, I don't care if I'm not a part of you anymore. Um, so for me, just getting rid of all of that junk is really step number one, because, um, you know, I was that person that was really good during the week, but on the weekends I would cheat. And so there's no judging coming from my heart. It's, I understand. Um, and for me, getting past all of those cravings was just, getting rid of it because I had it in the house and during a time of weakness, I would go there. And so really getting rid of it is step number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, especially after Christmas period where there's going to be, there's been all these different kinds of foods in the house and maybe there's some leftovers or there's boxes yeah. of something. Um, the first Just part of it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good tip there. I like it. You know, that's what this podcast is all about. Actionable tips. So there's a great one, to, how to begin. And, um, I want to get into a little bit of the actual what people are going to eat a little bit. So keto breakfasts or low carb breakfasts. I mean, most people think, is it just bacon and eggs? Is that all I'm going to eat for 30 days basically for breakfast? No, actually, um, you know, that cleanse cookbook that I'm kind of referring to, there's over 175 recipes in there. They're all delicious. So, um, with all those recipes you mentioned in the cookbook there, what, what could be some other examples just for people listening in now? Um, what, what's, what are other versions of low-carbohydrate or ketogenic-type breakfasts? Yeah, um, with that, the whole cleanse, um, I would say that um, one of the most popular recipes is the breakfast chili. Everybody really likes that. Um, and it's basically a ketogenic chili. And what I like to do with that is I make, uh, my family loves it so much. I'll make a quadruple batch. And so I have different, um, containers in the freezer. And so one of my children can just warm that up and have that for breakfast whenever they want. Um, and that's a really big hit. Uh, the ramen is a really big hit. And if you think about different cultures, ramen you know, is kind of a breakfast for some cultures. So you could do something like that. It's, it's all different. Um, what's great about the ketogenic diet is usually people aren't hungry until later in the day. And so breakfast isn't the most important meal of the day, but breaking your fast is. Um, fast well, feast well. And so if you don't break your fast until maybe 1 p.m., your breakfast may look more like somebody's traditional lunch. Um, I love um, the smothered hamburgers on the cleanse. I could eat a hamburger every day. And uh, the, the smothered hamburgers is a big hit with people. Um, the interesting thing about the cleanse is it's dairy free. 
But I live in Wisconsin, which is the dairy capital of the world. And so I understand we want that mouthfeel of what dairy gives us and that flavor profile. And so I just use different exotic type ingredients to give you that um, without having the dairy and making it easy because people are like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to do all this. You know, I'm a busy working mom. We have, we homeschool our children. So like, I understand like time is, you know, important to everybody. And so I try to make it as painless as possible. I have a lot of slow cooker recipes in there. And for me, my kids will help clean up dinner while I fill the slow cooker the night before. And so all I have to do is take the shell out of the fridge and turn it on. And then whenever somebody's hungry, they can just open it up and eat. And I understand, you know, most people, they have kids that are in school after school sports or activities after school. And what's nice about the slow cooker is that people can just open it up and eat when they're hungry and, you know, just go at their own pace. And I talked to a psychologist about the whole idea of having family meals together and they exclaimed, it's not the act of actually eating together that's important, but it's the act of spending time together. And so, you know, even if you don't have dinners together, if you find some, like we go for walks together, we ride bike together, we're always doing stuff together. So I don't feel guilty if we don't actually have a meal together. We just made meatballs together. So we're preparing meals together. Um, as long as you find time to, you know, get together and enjoy each other's company, you don't have to feel guilty if you don't actually have dinner. Mm, and that's actually a really good point because you, you could have a family unit and say there's one person in the family who's decided to, you know, try this way, this cleanse, but the other people haven't. And as you said, maybe when you're, when you're adopting a, a ketogenic way of eating, you're not hungry for breakfast. Everyone else is ravenous for breakfast, but you're not. <laughs> but don't feel guilty if you don't feel hungry that you've, you have to eat breakfast. No, that's the thing. Um, you know, it helps to be surrounded by people that are doing this with you to help you mentally, because when you're in that environment of, I mean, I've spoken on cruise ships before, which is like food city, right? And even then, like, I, I go from this intermittent fasting to like food all the time. And it's, it's kind of like a mind game. So it does help to, if they're not doing it with you, express that, I'm doing this. And so they encourage you rather than um, sabotage you. Because I'll tell you, like, if somebody's trying to cut alcohol out of their life or cigarettes, everybody supports them. But when you say, I'm going to cut sugar and carbohydrates, oh my gosh, food pushers come out of the woodwork. And so it, it's helpful to find people that support you rather than become food pushers. Mm, I, I like that term, food pushers. <laughs> yeah, I, I deal with it myself. Yeah, and I think a lot of listeners will be dealing with that with different family members who have different beliefs because food brings out very emotional parts of people, I find, when you have that discussion. It does, but I'm a very stubborn German girl that like nobody can push me into anything. And so you just have to get into that mindset that you're really strong and I'm not disrespectful, but you know, don't be pushing a pie on me when you know like this is my lifestyle, right? Uh -huh. And I like you brought up the, the fasting aspect or the intermittent fasting. When someone starts this way of eating, they're probably doing it primarily for weight loss. Um, that's yeah. probably goal number one that most people have in January. Do you think they have to do intermittent fasting on the cleanse? No, they. you don't have to. Um, I've, I designed meal plans 
that um, help with that, you know, intermittent fasting, getting into that. But I also have like an option to not do intermittent fasting because for me, I mean, I started the ketogenic lifestyle about 20 years ago and intermittent fasting, I was such a damaged soul that I had so many different hormonal things going on. Fasting was not easy for me. You have to heal from the inside out. And sometimes fasting is very easy for people. Um, I'm a very sensitive person where um, I don't like to look at reviews. And my husband said, oh, you got the best bad review. I was like, I don't want to know. And he's like, no, it's good. They said, I hate this diet. I'm always full. And that's the point that you don't have to be hungry all the time and thinking about lunch when you're eating breakfast and, you know, thinking about your next meal all the time. You can go out and live your life. We are most human when we're not eating. And so that's why it's a very powerful way of eating. But if you're not sleeping well, if you have leptin and ghrelin issues, fasting might be more difficult for you like it was for me. It took maybe 10 years to even dabble into that. Now it's very easy. And sometimes it's a mindset. I grew up on a bed night snack and it wasn't that I was hungry, but it was that 18 years of always having that snack that my mind was like, oh, it's bed night snack time. And so getting over that mind idea that you need to eat every three hours or you're going to, you know, fade away or go into starvation mode. That doesn't happen when you're in a ketogenic state. So just slowly getting into it, um, I think is if you're ready for it, go ahead, jump right in. But some people just aren't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great advice um, that people don't have to do fasting. It's it's maybe if your physiology, your metabolism is okay, but if you are in a poor place of health don't try stress yourself and i had another interviewer um dr zofia clemens from the paleo ketogenic diet way of eating and she's not a fan of intermittent fasting exactly for that reason you mentioned yeah so it's just you know it's what works for you you know there's no judging mm -hmm. and so when it comes to weight loss though do you think that people push themselves too hard in January to lose as much weight um, so they'll end up starving themselves on the ketogenic diet? Or um, with this cleanse too, would you expect them to lose a bit of weight even within the first month? Oh, yeah. Usually people lose, I mean, 20 to 30 pounds that first month. Um, it's just most people enter this ketogenic lifestyle and they eat a lot of dairy. They eat a lot of nuts or living off of cheese and heavy cream and butter. You know, all of, none of that is allowed on the cleanse. And they're like, what? All of this stuff that I thought was all keto, which yes, it's keto, but dairy and nuts, they're constipating. Um, they hold people back from their weight loss goals. You want to get into really healing that mitochondria and, um, keeping your muscle mass. And so what happens is women, they, they read about fat fast or fat bombs and they live off of them. And um, they contact me and say they're losing their hair. Um, all of these things can go wrong if you do the ketogenic diet wrong. Um, and so, yeah, you'll be in ketosis, but you're going to have all of these side effects that you don't like. And so that's why I always focus on real food, chew your calories, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why I wanted you on again, because I know there are going to be people starting this in January. And these are actionable tips, you know, to take note of when they're starting this process. You know, doing a fat fast um, might show a lot of weight loss on the scale, but muscle weighs a lot. And you cannot 
maintain your muscle mass without amino acids and amino acids come from protein. I'm not saying this is a high protein diet, but you do want to hit your protein goal. Everybody's protein goal is different. It's about 0.8 times your lean mass. And protein also has something called a thermic defect of food, which helps increase your metabolic rate. Um, this is why sometimes you get the meat sweats after you eat like a steak or something like that. Um, so I, I just want people to have success right off the bat and not say, I tried keto and I lost my hair, I got constipated or whatever, you know, common complaints that I see every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so talking about uh, some other dishes there too, what's an example of a ketogenic lunch for you? Um, I guess, like I said, I could, I love a hamburger. I uh, just adore them. So um, the smothered hamburgers would be like on a keto bun. Um, it's basically like a zero carb bread um, is really delicious. That's what we have a lot. Um, right now it's really um, cold here. So there's soups to be had. Um, gosh, there's so many, like there's a French onion meatball soup. That's really good. Um, and especially, you know, if you're intermittent fasting, it would be more of a dinner. Um, my kids love chicken wings. That's something that we have quite a bit. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many. It's hard to say because, you know, I'm always writing a different book. So I'm trying to think of the cleanse book, but I just uh, finished an Instant Pot book. So soups are in my head right now. Okay. Yeah. And I think the, the point I'm trying to get to listeners is that I think when you when you adopt this way of eating, as I mentioned earlier with the eggs and bacon, you just think, that, oh, there's only like one or two dishes I can have or one or two dishes, but there's there's a lot of different variety. Oh my gosh, I have 12 cookbooks out and none of my recipes overlap. There's endless possibilities of what you can have. I even did a restaurant cookbook of, I used to work at restaurants since I was 15 years old. And so all of my favorite classic dishes like, you know, um, meatballs and meatballs with spaghetti and you just make them a little bit different or lasagna, like you just make it a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And coming back to the weight loss question and not focusing on the macros then, do you think people should just eat to satiety, so their hunger level, um, even if they're looking to lose weight? Yeah, I mean... Um, Hunger isn't necessarily a bad thing. So, you know, you may need to understand that, you know, hunger is, you know, you're going to be okay if you get a little hungry. But um, yeah, eating to satiety. Um, and I said, don't focus on percentages. Macros are what you want to kind of work for because okay. everybody's macros would be different. But if you focus on percentages, you know, if you focus on 70% fat, then depending on your caloric level, you could still have quite a bit of carbohydrates, you know, so um, macros are what you want to aim for. And that would be like 0.8 times your lean mass and protein, keeping carbohydrates as close to zero as possible, the lowest score wins. And then eating fat, depending on your goal, like my kids eat keto, their fat dial is turned up a bit. But if you want to lose weight, and you have a lot of body fat, then that dial will turn down. So you can actually use body fat for fuel rather than um, if you, it's all about oxidative priority. If you keep eating a lot of fat, it's going to use that dietary fat for ketosis rather than your body fat. Um, I work out in a fasted state. And so I'm not hung up on a, you know, don't get, don't get hung up on a, how high your ketones get because mine are really low in the morning because I'm running and lifting weights in a fasted state. 
that means that there's less in my bloodstream because I'm using them for energy. Is that a bad thing? It's just, you have to understand like, oh man, I'm not reaching 0.5 or whatever. And especially if you're focused on uh, urine strips, those basically just tell you if you're hydrated. They only work in the very beginning. They don't test beta hydroxyburase. Um, so if you do test, you want to test the right way, get rid of the urine strips. They just tell you if you're hydrated, which you're going to be dehydrated in the beginning. So just get rid of those. Yeah. Again, such great actionable tips for someone adopting this way and prim yeah. primarily for weight loss then. So the adaptation period, do you talk about that in the cleanse when you're again, having to change your fuel sources and go into this more ketogenic state? Yes. It's not an overnight process. You will be in ketosis soon. But to be truly keto adapted where you are a fat burning machine takes time. And as the years go on, you get more efficient at it. Um, and there's something called the whooshing effect where your body might just not be, it's not knowing what's going on. And the whooshing effect is where it kind of holds on to your weight. And then all of a sudden it's like it whooshes right off. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm healthy now. Like it kind of, like I said, you heal from the inside out. Um, and yeah, in the beginning, um, there's something known as the keto flu. I like to call it the carb withdrawal because carbohydrates retain water. And as you eliminate those carbohydrates goes a lot, a lot of water loss. And that's where some people see five, 10 pounds immediately lost. I have a client that I work with here. She's about 450 pounds. And when she eats keto, she loses 20 pounds in a day. But when she cheats, it's 20 pounds up. This is kind of pitting edema where that water retention is going on. Um, so depending on your size, you can lose, you know, immediately five pounds that the next few days, but it's water loss. But that's good because all of that inflammation is going away. But with water loss goes your energy usually tanks because you lost a lot of electrolytes. Um, and when you get rid of those foods that are like carbohydrates, so bread, pastas, rice, even sweets, um, there's more salt in a McDonald's milkshake than there is in their French fries. But people don't associate sweets with salt. So when you eliminate all those foods, um, you know, you're not keeping that hydration up because you just got rid of all that. So you really have to be aware of putting salt on your eggs and putting salt on your meats and we're in this area of we're afraid of salt where it's a, it's a needed nutrient and especially on a ketogenic way of eating where none of those foods have really salt in them, unless you're drinking blood, <laughs> like the Maasai tribe, um, you're not getting enough sodium. And so you have to really be aware of your sodium and potassium balance. Otherwise, you're going to have like heavy legs walking upstairs. Um, sometimes people cry easy or their moods really go down. It's not because you need carbohydrates to be happy. It's because you're dehydrated and that can cause headaches, low energy, low moods, all of that. So just understanding how to basically supplement properly is important. Mm. And again, great tips because people may feel these things when they are starting it and thinking, oh, I'm doing something wrong or something's going dramatically bad here. Or it's not right for them. Mm -hmm. And it's really just um, kind of you just need to supplement properly. And and the basic supplement here is just good amount of salt on your meals. Yes, um, you want to be aware of potassium, but beef has a lot of potassium in it. Um, so it, it's just you, you just want to be aware of 
like where your nutrients are coming from. And do you get people telling you they're going through like a detox effect or a Herxheimer effect? You know, they just feel like, oh, all this bad stuff is coming out of me when I start. Absolutely. Especially when you start to lose weight, your toxins are stored in your fat cells. And that's why when I consult like a breastfeeding mother, if she ate bad food while she was pregnant and stuff, all of that's going to be released into her milk. So that's not really a great time to start detoxing. And many people end up with something like a keto rash. And that's because you're purging all of these bad estrogens. And even men, you know, you store these toxic estrogens in your fat cells. And that bad estrogen, that causes prostate cancer in men, thyroid cancer, uterine cancer, breast cancer. So it's good to get rid of all of them, but it is a process. Um, So it's a good thing, but uncomfortable maybe. And when do you think people might if they did get a keto rash, is that only early on in the beginning? It just depends on how toxic they are um, and how much they're, you know, purging out of their cells. Um, There are certain supplements that can help heal that rash, go away. Um, But, you know, just knowing that it's a good thing that you're getting rid of it. Mm, No, it sounds like it. (laughs) And yeah, when you were mentioning with the kids earlier, because that would be an, another thought of mine that you might, I mentioned how you could have one family member who's adopting this way of eating, but then you, you may also have families who go, right, we're, we're all going to do it together here. And uh, that sounds like the best situation because then you've got a big support group. But right. um, do you think it's going to be very different for men and women then when they start this process, this keto cleanse? Um, not necessarily. Usually, you know, the females are the ones that consult with me or whatever. And my biggest tip is don't say this is keto. This is healthy. Um, I love my mom, but we went and stayed at their, um, cabin, which is kind of like a shack in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And I was cooking pancakes outside on the deck and she, com- um, yelled out, I don't know if everybody's going to like these pancakes cause they're Maria's recipe and they're healthy. And I was like, well, nobody's going to like them now, but if you just say, here's a pancake, don't say anything you know, just change it up a little bit. But usually men really love it because it's steak, it's um, meatloaf, it's meatballs, it's pork chops. Um, I do ribs all the time in my slow cooker. I smoke ribs all the time. So they're usually like, hey, this is awesome. What happened to my wife? You know, we're having steak for dinner. This is great. Um, So they're usually, you know, they might say, well, where's the side of potatoes? And you're like, hey, I forgot them. You know, just don't make a big deal out of it. And before you know it, they're eating keto and they're really loving it. They're feeling better. I will say that it took my husband maybe eight years after me, but I loved him just the same. We would go to dinner and he'd still order whatever he wanted. Um, So don't come like. I guess my advice is don't be judgmental or pushy about it. Just lead by example. Cause that's what happened pretty soon. He saw me get so healthy and energetic. He's like, I want in on that. And so he slowly adapted. He's like, you don't need to buy that for me anymore. And this and that. And now he's more strict than I am and he's doing great. Fantastic. And what's your tip then if someone gets a bit of carb craving, like a sugar crave and they think, Oh, I just, I need a hit. You know, I'm feeling so low. Um, you, you talked about how people's moods could change if they're dehydrated. But if someone keeps telling you, hey, Marie, I, I'm loving this way, but man, there's just times I, I just need that sugar fix. What's your tip for those people? You know, and that's why some people judge me for making keto treats or say like, 
you know, just get rid of the sweet cravings. But for me, like, you know, food is love and um, I love to entertain with food. So having like a keto piece of um, cheesecake or ice cream or something like that, that has helped me stay on this diet for 20 years. Yes, I have a dessert every single day and people are like, you eat ice cream every day? And this way I don't feel like it's a diet. I mean, I've tried tons of different diets before where I never let myself have sweets and I always fell off the wagon where you just have to make those treats a little bit differently. And so for me, um, I'll make a big batch of ice cream. I always have it in the freezer. So in the you know afternoon or whenever you have that you know sweet craving or whatever it is, you can have one of those. Or that's where fat bombs do come into play. So don't live off of fat bombs. But if you're really craving something like you know carby, that's where fat bombs will help you stay satiated, and you use it as a crutch to get to be truly keto adapted. Um, and that's where those are allowed. And that's why I do, um, you know, make keto treats because, um, then you don't feel like it's a diet, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess psychologically, again, you just, you'll go, you're going through a journey and if you're craving dessert and it, you're told you're not allowed to touch it, 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 it amplifies it. But in your case, you're, you're still giving people access to that dessert feeling. Yeah. And, um, I just had the opportunity to speak in Russia and I taught them and, you know, their, their ingredients are different than ours. So I wanted something like basic that everybody could make and it's not too exotic. So I made the flourless chocolate tort. There's only five ingredients. It's a free recipe on my blog. Um, and it's a total hit. I made it for, um, our Thanksgiving here in the U S and even the kids loved it. It's, um, the flourless chocolate tort. And I made friends in Russia for life because of that recipe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking because in Russia, I mean, they drink a lot of vodka too. So yeah. that, that would be interesting trying to adopt. A I know. But it's getting to be quite popular. I mean, it was basically for a hospital that specialized in epilepsy. But the majority of people in the conference that I spoke at were there because they wanted to lose weight or learn about that. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a good segue there where people may ask, am I allowed any form of alcohol uh, on this way of eating? And what are your thoughts then, especially in the January period for the cleanse period? Alcohol, yes or no? Um, so I'm a bit of an extremist um, and I know that, but um, whatever I would have, wine or something like that. I never slept very good. I didn't like how I felt in the morning. I love to wake up and really hit it hard. I am a morning person that loves to run and have all of this energy. Um, I feel knowledge is power. And so yes, you might still read ketones if you have a little bit of alcohol, especially a zero carb like vodka or something like that. But alcohol increases estrogen by 300%. And that's why men with big beer bellies, it's not a beer belly, it's an estrogen belly. Um, and it decreases our testosterone for up to 24 hours. And females, we don't want that to happen either. And so what I get like a little frustrated with is people will go out to the gym maybe Saturday morning and work really hard on you know, lifting weights, especially guys. So lift weights really hard Saturday morning so they can drink Saturday night. But what happens is when you work out really hard and lift weights, you're breaking down your muscles and you need testosterone to repair them as you rest. But if you go and have a bunch of alcohol, you just wiped out your testosterone, you increase estrogen, 
do you wake up Sunday morning with less muscle than you had on Saturday morning? So I think that it's important to know that it's not all about the carbohydrate count in things. It's how it impacts your hormones. And that's why I don't agree with um, ingredients like alcohol, flax, chia, all of these estrogenic, soy, estrogenic like foods that change our hormones and they impact our hormones. And do some of the pre-made keto snacks on the market out there also cause these kind of problems where people think, oh, it's a keto snack. It says it. So can I have it? I like to tell people if it ever comes out of package, think twice. You know, if you're really hungry, make some food. Um, it's going to taste better than any packaged item anyway. So, you know, like, will I eat a beef stick? Yeah, on a plane ride, I bring like Mission Meats organic um, beef sticks or something like that. But it's not something that we have in our house very much. Um, because I feel that homemade food is much better anyway. And how do people handle during the cleanse period going out to restaurants or social events? There's a whole um, section on what to order when you're out to eat. Um, I just got back from almost a month in Europe. I didn't get, I didn't make a thing. I was eating out at restaurants for every meal. Um, and I did not veer from my diet whatsoever. My husband and I did it just fine. There's always options. Sometimes there'll be like a sauce. That's all you can tell. It's just sugary and, you know, either take it back or wipe it off, whatever. But that only happened because we didn't understand the language. But if you're at a restaurant where you know the, the language, you just ask for it to be married, you know, just without potatoes, you know, maybe a side of broccoli instead with your steak or something like that. But for me, um, I had to, now I'm fine, but in my past life, I would have to look at a menu ahead of time and kind of be ready to not order the French fries. You have to kind of be mentally prepared to not be influenced by everybody else at the table. If they're getting pasta and rice and desserts, like now I don't care. Um, but a long time ago, I would have been kind of influenced by that. And so you really have to mentally be prepared for that. Um, but it is totally possible. I've never had, <laughs> except for in Paris, they were like, no bread. <laughs> but um, other than that, it never was a big deal. Yeah. Do you get keto uh, croissants? Oh, have I made them? Well, I don't know. I, you just got me thinking with Paris. Do, I, do you even get keto, ketogenic croissants? I don't think so. That, that would be quite difficult, but I'll work on that one. There's, there's, I mean, there's a challenge I, for you. You know, danishes and Kringles and all of that, but I haven't uh, successfully made a, a croissant, no. <laughs> uh, well, I, I like how you brought up the psychology again when you're going out because that's, I think, a lot of what people are going to be dealing with in January again because it's all new. And I know I would be in the habit that when the waiter comes and says, hey, do you, you know, what kind of fries do you want? You know, uh, you may just feel obliged to say, all right, I'll, I'll take these, um, yeah. these fries. And then because they're in front of you, you might end up snacking on them or eating them. So, Right, right. And we tend to go to the same type of um, the same restaurants that where we live and they know um, what we what we're all about and that we don't do any carbohydrates. So instead of bringing uh, bread basket, they'll bring a little dish of like olives or something like that, which is really cool. And so if you get to know, um, we even have some ketogenic restaurants in our town that are really um, grabbing on, they have a whole keto menu. 
Um, so that's pretty cool. And how how else did you find it traveling amongst all these different countries with choose because they've got different types of food? Uh, did you find any difficulties, or did a certain country really surprise you how easy it was? Paris was unbelievably easy. Um, Italy was unbelievably easy. Uh, Spain very very easy. They it was an island off of Spain where it was seafood and fish and. Um, it, it was just really easy. It was delicious. Russia was a little tricky, but that was more because I didn't know the language at all. And so looking at a menu um, was very difficult. I was trying to use this app that would say what everything was. Um, so that one, we came up with some snafus and they didn't understand why we didn't want bread. And I was like, oh, it makes me sick. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I was a leper because I, you know, couldn't eat bread or something. Um, but that was probably the only one, but that was more of a language barrier than anything. I was really actually surprised about Paris. Like we ate like Kings and Queens and it was the most delicious food. And they're like, Oh, okay. No, you know, whatever. They didn't care. They didn't even blink twice when we asked for things made a certain way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it is possible to even have a bit of a holiday, even during the January period, if you go away and travel somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just have to be mentally strong enough. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we've covered a lot with the food and the adaptation and some of the psychology. And you, I like how in the beginning, you mentioned some of the other points too. Um, are there what are some of the, uh, do you talk about this in your cleanse book or your cleanse series about these other mitochondrial hacks that you should be implementing in the January period? Yeah, um, I'm really into cold therapy, which kind of natu naturally happens when you live in Wisconsin in the wintertime. This is like 20 below zero Fahrenheit, which uh, Celsius, it's really cold. <laughs> um, I go out there and I have, you know, like frozen face and eyelashes and, you know, stuff like that. It just happens naturally. But even in the summertime, I have a bathtub outside that I fill with ice water. Um, I'm really into ice showers. You know, there's cryotherapy hospitals out there that people go to all the time now to try to, you know, get cold. And what happens is your mitochondria are about 90%, 99% water. And just to like get that mitochondria cold and it makes them work so much more efficiently. And that's where grounding comes into play too. Nobody watch, walks barefoot on the earth anymore. And they think I'm talking about spiritual grounding, but I'm talking about the whole, the earth has electrical pull. We know this. And your mitochondria being water can be negatively charged or positively charged but we're never touching the earth anymore with our bare feet. We always have like rubber shoes on our soles or we're driving in a car that doesn't let us connect to the earth or, you know, just think about it. When's the last time you've touched the earth, right? Um, you can now buy grounding pads. I'm looking at one right now by my computer. So if you actually take your socks off and touch the grounding pad, your house is electrically grounded to the earth, you know, that has that, um, connection. And so you can just touch it that way. Some people like there's a mattress that you can put on your bed that you lay on. Um, and so that's going to negatively um, charge your cells. And that's a really easy way to help heal your mitochondria. Um, another thing is everything you put on your skin, we're bombarded by going to a, like Target and all these big box stores 
with all of these chemicals, whether it's the toothpaste, the shampoos, the lotions, the um, hair gels, whatever it is, all of those chemicals, your skin is your largest absor absorbing organ. You know, like I don't wear makeup anymore. And that's just because, you know, we, we know that women, when they stopped using their chemical makeup for three days, their estrogen levels went down by 200%. Like that's huge. And we're living in this estrogen dominant world. And I know I sound a little bit crazy, but you know, our lifestyle has changed tremendously in only a short period of time. You know, we're drinking bottled water and all of this type of stuff that's really not our ancestral state of what we should be doing. And we're putting so many chemicals on our body that um, after a while, your liver just can't keep up with detoxing all of that out of it. And then you come up with this tired and toxic liver fatty liver, whatever it is. Um, and that's when thyroid issues come into play. When you have someone that has um, your T4 is converted into the activated T3, your thyroid hormone, that happens in the liver, not actually in the thyroid. And so a lot of thyroid issues are happening because our bodies, are, our liver is just so toxic, it just can't keep up anymore. So I know it sounds a little like crazy, but it's freeing that I don't have to spend all this money on lotions and all of these things anymore. Like even dryer sheets, you know, now we have dryer balls. It's free and I don't pollute the earth. And yeah, it's just the list goes on and how you can kind of hack into all of these things that you think are normal society products are really harming us. I love it. It sounds like a biohacker's guide that you've written there. <laughs> well, it's... um it's just all of these things. I want us to be open-minded to being like, yeah, you know what? That deodorant is just a bunch of, you know, aluminum and metals that are absorbing into my skin. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it ties in with the word cleanse. And if someone is cleansing for whatever reason, you can choose how far along the spectrum you want to go. And it sounds like you're giving people that option where, hey, if you don't want to go down the whole grounding and changing the chemicals you put on your body route, don't worry. You know, I just want to let you know. But if you want to just yeah. more from a dietary cleanse, you know, this is probably yeah. the best approach. I think that knowledge is power. And I wasn't ready to hear all of that even a couple of years ago. Um, but it sunk in. And it really made me just take a step back. And um, I think that if you shut down to knowledge, that's when you harm yourself. But just being open to learning is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I love all these actionable tips again that you've shared, Maria. Um, this is the point where I'd ask to say, are there any particular social media profiles that you'd like people to follow you on or any particular links that they can keep in contact with you? Well, thank you. Um, I do have a blog with a lot of free, I mean, over thousands of free recipes on mariamindbodyhealth.com. There's a couple giveaways going on there. That's where you'll find the flourless chocolate tort if you want that recipe. Um, I am on Instagram at Maria Emrick. Um, and then I have like Facebook groups, but uh, the main one is Keto Adapted on Facebook. Okay, great. And that Keto Cleanse I've, I've been talking about so much, is that uh, that's available on your website? Um, it is available on Amazon right now. Um, it's called the 30-Day Ketogenic Cleanse. And um, if 30 days isn't enough for you, I also made another 28 days of meal plans that you can find on that website for free at mariamindbodyhealth.com. 
Fantastic. And I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes. Maria, thank you so much. Maria, again, thank you also from my side. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge. I've really enjoyed listening to everything you've had to do. And I think it is very logical and it's a great way that someone can start their 2019. Thank you. I, um, I'm very honored to be here. Thanks. Thanks.